you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And on this, well, what was supposed to be the Vanderbilt game week, we still have a lot of Missouri news to get to on the football side and the basketball side. And today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. And later, I also want to talk about a new rule that's being proposed a one-time rule that I think is going to become permanent, frankly, if this thing is passed in January. But, but first of all, you know what? I did notice something as I was perusing the SEC schedules this morning, and that's that Missouri could potentially have a bye week for the second week in a row. A de facto bye week, if you will. If, as we all know, Saturday's LSU at Florida game has been postponed tentatively rescheduled to December 12th. Well, that's the same week that Vanderbilt in Missouri was is tentatively rescheduled as well. And tentatively is a good word because on this ep- on this show yesterday, I expressed some little bit of concern that two bye weeks in a row is frankly one too many for these Missouri Tigers. Certainly you can make an argument that one wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world, but here's the good news. If the Missouri-Florida game that is scheduled as of now, a week from Saturday, if that game is canceled because not enough Gators are able to meet the threshold, the 53-man scholarship threshold, well then, the good news is Vanderbilt already has a bye week then. So maybe that December 12th game will get moved up. Maybe instead of, again, a December 12th Missouri home game in Columbia I'd much rather see Vanderbilt come to Columbia on the 24th if if indeed that Missouri-Florida game is canceled or postponed. Obviously, all this is very much a moving target. And when it comes to basketball and its schedule for the coming season, and boy, that's coming up sooner than you think. Give it a couple months, maybe a month and a half, and we'll be there. We'll have Missouri basketball going, at least we assume, but... You know, there's been a lot of teams that have been dropping out of the Myrtle Beach Invitational that Missouri was scheduled to be in. Well, now that tournament has moved to Orlando, or at least, well, we won't call it, maybe we won't call it the Myrtle Beach Invitational anymore, but it'll be something, and it'll be presented by ESPN in Orlando sometime between probably November 25th and December 6th, it looks like, with teams like Missouri, San Diego State, St. Mary's, Tennessee, VCU, SLU, hey, Loyola of Chicago, and Belmont. So it sounds like Missouri will get a little bit of a taste of bubble life down in Orlando this coming November, late November, early December, it sounds like. But also, one reporter, definitely, I can't remember which one, and I apologize for that, but definitely confirmed that along with the Kansas game not happening this year, Utah definitely not going to make good on their return to Columbia in this particular season ever. And let's be honest, we're all questioning if that's ever going to happen at this point. But you know what? 
Missouri has bigger fish to fry than that. This all makes me wonder just how many non-conference games we'll get to see, period, and, and especially at Mizzou Arena this year. It's certainly a question, and obviously we have no idea how many people are going to be allowed to attend, and yes, feel free to make your low attendance, socially distanced at Mizzou Arena jokes. I can't stop you, so I won't, but just know that I saw them coming from a mile away. And finally, while we are on the subject of basketball, just one quick note before we get to football for probably the rest of this show, let's be honest. Well, Dave Matter tweeted out that Jeremiah Tillman said that the NBA's advice to him for this summer in terms of working on his game was run the floor, hit the trail three, get more rebounds. Now, just as a Missouri fan, I can definitely agree with the first one and the last one, just in terms of his own college development. I've long thought that Tillman is one of the fastest centers that there is in college basketball, just for his size, his ability to actually dominate the paint physically. He's also got that ability to beat his man down court. And maybe sometimes he doesn't take advantage of that enough. So I like seeing that particular bit of advice. And I really hope that he takes it to heart. That could be a big thing for the Tigers offense this season. Lord knows I want them to play faster. So maybe that's a part of it. And of course, get more rebounds. Well, who can argue with that? Statistically, Tillman just not that great of a rebounder. And honestly, I think a lot of that has to do with just his inability to understand what a foul is and what it isn't. Because I think he becomes passive in terms of rebounding and just physicality in general. And I think, if anything, it's not so much that he needs to learn how to rebound. It's that he needs to learn, again, how to play without fouling. Still a problem, obviously, entering his senior season. But in terms of actually of hitting the trail three, as they say, in other words, you're basically the big man in the secondary break, post up, or I'm sorry, spot up at the top of the key and get that pass back in the fast break for a wide open three, that kind of deal. Well, that sounds wonderful in theory, and Lord knows if Jeremiah Tillman suddenly became a 40% three-point shooter or something crazy, no one's going to complain. On the other hand, that isn't necessarily how I would imagine that Tillman is going to make his money. Maybe not necessarily in the NBA, but just overseas as a professional basketball player. I've said this before, so I'll keep it quick. He needs to be a rim runner. He needs to be setting screens and running to the rim and getting offensive rebounds, quite frankly, in my opinion. If he's just a pick-and-pop guy, well, number one, Fine, if he can hit that shot, great. We've seen no evidence of that in any actual gameplay yet. But even more importantly, is that where I want him? Is that where I want his physicality is out by the three-point line? Maybe the argument is, okay, well, then he'll avoid picking up ticky-tack fouls on the inside of the paint. But again, Tillman is just kind of a man among boys on the inside and a guy, and despite that fact, with that physicality, again, comes the ability to run the floor. To me, just that puts much more pressure on the defense. Using him as just running like a deer, basically, running hard to the rim, cutting hard, puts much more pressure on the D than he does as just a spot-up shooter, even in theory as a good spot-up shooter. Well, speaking of little nuggets from Dave Matter, 
he unearthed a good stat about Eli Drinkwitz's time as the NCAA, NC State offensive coordinator. And I want to share that with you after the break. But first, got to tell you about, of course, our title sponsor, rockauto.com. And sure, some people are just wrenchers and they love working on their car. But the biggest reason most of us probably repair and maintain our own vehicles is to save money so you can use them for more important things like your mortgage payment or going to the grocery store. So why would anyone choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or at a new car dealership? For instance, if you have a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey, for instance, a fuel pump could cost you 353 bucks at Advance Auto Parts. Well, at rockauto.com, that same part is just under $217. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Well, once again, according to Mr. Dave Matter at the Post Dispatch, in three years as NC State's coordinator, the Wolfpack attempted 25 passes by players who were not quarterbacks. That's a lot of trickery, as Dave says. And indeed, that is a lot of trickery. I, I don't have a lot of uh, statistical evidence to back up the context for you. I can just tell you, as somebody who's watched a lot of football, eight passes per year by a non-quarterback is a lot. Just think back to Missouri's last few seasons. Heck, just their last three seasons – I guess all three of those have been under Derek Dooley. I guess two under Dooley and one under Josh Heupel in 2017. How many times did a non-quarterback throw the ball? I'm sure it happened. Did it happen even close to 25 times? So that's very interesting. We're all very aware that I think we've figured out that Eli Drinkwitz likes to use a lot of pre-snap motion, especially that jet sweep action. And gosh, if you got a guy like Jalen Knox who can run it, He'll hand it to you, too, so I like all of that for sure. And speaking of golden nuggets being shoveled out by the Mizzou beat, Gabe DeArmond over at Power Mizzou had some interesting info on Boo Smith, the new walk-on wide receiver who really showed out against LSU along with Toski Dove, but Boo Smith, according to Gabe, he played high school football at Raytown near Kansas City, obviously, where he had 400 yards receiving as a senior. Interestingly, he spent his first two years at Coffeyville Community College and then Mid-America Nazarene, which is an NAIA school. You know, I, I immediately recognize Mid-America Nazarene. Again, Olathe, definitely Kansas City, Kansas. So, Boo Smith, uh, somewhat of a local guy. But what I noticed is Mid-American Nazarene, gee, didn't Columbia College play them in basketball? Yes, indeed, they are an NAIA school. So the idea that this Boo Smith kid came to, came to Missouri in January as a walk-on for a tryout and really caught the staff's eye, invited to walk on to the team, and here he is playing big snaps against the defending national champions and helping Missouri take them down. 
Now, that's quite a story. It really is. So, Boo Smith, it seems like he's definitely earned some more snaps for at least this coming this coming week, whenever that happens to be, whether it's against Florida or Vanderbilt or who the heck knows. But anyway, just a really cool story there and one that doesn't happen very often. A guy who goes from NAIA to the SEC at receiver. Pretty cool stuff. And while we're on the subject of the Missouri beat, one thing that everybody seems to like to dive into, and including myself, quite frankly, is the weekly grades from Pro Football Focus. And I do think, especially in the NFL, I think the Pro Football Focus grades are pretty interesting and can be of, of a decent amount of value. But I got to say, even though I like to read it, even though it's good content, again, for the Missouri Beat and those of us on the Missouri podcast beat as well. It's good content at times, but I got to be honest, when you really imagine just how many people, how many players that have to be graded out in every game of college football, week after week after week, can PFF really have that much manpower on board to truly give you an honest grade of what each individual player for a team like Missouri is doing? Quite frankly, I think no. And while, you know, sometimes I think maybe the overall season grade is interesting, but week to week, that stuff is borderline worthless to me in college football. Again, notice, notice I will say I pointed out that Jordan Elliott was one of the highest graded guys for the season by PFF. And that Yasir Durant was really highly graded for the season. That stuff I take... I take more seriously. But again, the week-to-week stuff, it doesn't often line up with what I'm seeing on the field. So I don't know about you all. I don't know if you've looked at any of that stuff, but some of it just seems, and just using it logically, how can we really break all of this down? To give an honest assessment of, say, an offensive lineman's play, I mean, you have to painstakingly go back and rewind and watch the, 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 the same snap over and over again and even then you might be unsure of what the assignments are because frankly you're not on the coaching staff you're not in the huddle so as usual my crusade for context continues I just want people look at all the numbers that's all well and good but by all means don't take it as the gospel that's all I'm trying to say and finally to close this thing out I do want to talk about some newly approved NCAA rules and regulations, but first, a word from my friends at Built Bar. And let me tell you something, it is about 1.30 in the afternoon as I finish up recording this podcast here, and I'm a little famished. I had a nice omelet this morning, try to keep it as healthy as I can, but you know what? It's time for a treat. My blood sugar's getting a little low, so after this, I'm going to get out one of my yummy, tasty Built Bars. Frankly, I got to go orange. The orange I'm just obsessed with now. It's my new favorite. But frankly, you're not going to go go wrong with any of them. And the beautiful thing is the new and improved belt, Built Bar is even more delicious than before with six new flavors, including carrot cake, lemon almond cheesecake, and of course the classic cookies and cream. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Find out what suits your fancy And as usual, my advice would be if you're a newcomer, well, then you should definitely get a variety pack. Figure out what you like best. 
But the good news is if you've been to Built Bar before, you can go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code Locked On, and you will also get 20% off your next order. Again, whether you're new or you're returning, use the promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Well, first of all, the NCAA has officially approved giving an additional year of eligibility to all winter sports athletes. So, Jeremiah Tillman, you want to come back for another year? Come on down, buddy. And frankly, I don't think that's going to happen based on a whole bunch of reasons, but technically it could. Honestly, hey, remember remember Reed and Eco from last year? People were wondering if those guys were going to get an extra year of eligibility. Well, I think Reed would have certainly taken up the NCAA on that. I don't know how many guys will, but some guys certainly will. I've already sort of stated my, my semi-displeasure with that ruling, quite honestly, because it sure looks like we're going to have a college basketball season, number one. And, well, last season we got about 90% of the way through it. So this idea that we're just going to throw another year of eligibility in as a special one-time thing, to me, creates more problems than it really solves. But I don't need to rehash that argument again because... We have another argument to get into, and that's that athletes, NCAA athletes, will be granted a penalty-free one-time transfer starting in 2021, and it's expected to pass in January. Now, the caveat is, is these football and basketball players must notify the school of their intentions to transfer by May 1st of each year. So no transferring a month before the season and then being immediately eligible for that said season. Now, on one hand, I applaud this move because, well, it doesn't seem particularly fair that when a coach can leave at a moment's notice and then coach at a full massive salary the very next season at a new school. Hey, think Mike Anderson. Remember when he left us high and dry and was coaching at Arkansas the very next season? Well, it's always seemed a little out of balance to me that coaches can do that, but yet the amateur athletes, well, they're very much restricted and have to sit out an entire season. So on one hand, I applaud it. But then on the other hand, I wonder if maybe we should have reverse engineered this. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not really into restricting players per se, but on the other hand, the frequency of transfers, it is starting to affect college basketball specifically a little bit. Don't you think? Or is that maybe is that maybe an overstatement? Personally, I'm of the mind that having continuity in basketball, well, that's frankly how you get to basketball nirvana. The, the, the highest level of play you can possibly have, it requires continuity. It requires time. And you can't cheat that amount of time. You just can't. And then on the other hand, from a fan's perspective, it's just so much more gratifying, frankly, to see guys, even guys that weren't a part of a great golden era of of Missouri basketball, for instance, but a guy like Marshall Brown, who doesn't have a lot of memorable games, maybe even a lot of memorable personal moments from his career, but I still remember Marshall Brown and just thinking, oh, he seems like a good kid and just having generally positive vibes and just enjoying seeing his college experience play itself out from afar. Why do I enjoy that as a fan? 
I don't know, but I just do. And I suspect that I'm not alone in that take. So I do worry about the over-transferring. So I guess maybe I would have, I'm not saying that this is definitely what I would do, but here's a thought. Here's at least a thought experiment. What if we reverse it? We reverse the whole logic of this thing. And instead of saying, Hey players, you get to transfer one time without penalty. Well, how about instead of doing that, we keep the status quo for the players and say to coaches who are in division one, if you want to change teams, that's fine, but you have to sit out a year. Well, I'm certainly sure that agents wouldn't like that proposal, but I think fans might. And again, it seems like sometimes all we worry about is the players versus the administration, whether it's at the college level or the pro level. And sometimes we forget about what the fans want. And of course, ultimately, the consumers in any economic proposition are going to be the most important factor. It's the old cliche, the customer is always right. Well, that's what that means. It's not literally the customer is always right, of course. It's just that if you stop serving your consumers, your customers, well, then eventually your business is either going to suffer or go away entirely. Just something to chew on a little bit. And with all that being said, that'll probably be it for me this week on Locked on Mizzou. I know I've been threatening to take days off and I have yet to but you know what I think we'll probably skip our usual Friday show with Blake because frankly there's no game to talk about there's no uniform reveal so what the heck maybe I'll just take the day off unless there is some kind of wild breaking news or something then you'll certainly be hearing from me but if not I'll see you on Monday right here on Locked on Mizzou